Well, hello there, creepsters. It's Sally here. The nights are drawing in. It's time for snuggling under a blanket with some hot cocoa and an episode of a paranormal chicks. Just don't get too scared. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 81. And y'all just heard from Sally, who killed that intro. Right? I freaking love these intros. Y'all are so creative. Yeah. And accents. Love them. Besides Carrie when she says oil. The shade. I was going to say, I just have to throw shade at her. Well, we would like to hear all of your accents, so if you want to introduce an episode, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. This one is called The One with the Stalker. Hi, Donna and Carrie. I love, love, love you ladies. Thank you for your wonderfully creepy podcasts. Some nights, just as I'm about to drift off to sleep, my mind likes to remember a particularly scary story that one of you told, and my chicken ass swears off listening to paranormal stories until you release a new episode. In one of your recent episodes, you were talking about stalking, and I thought I would share my experience. I've had paranormal experiences, but out of everything, and there has been some freaky stuff, not to worry, I'll share those, This experience that happened about 10 years ago still leaves a feeling of despair in my tummy. Picture it. I had recently moved to Hawaii to start college. I had gotten a steal of a deal renting a room in a beautiful townhouse that was high on a hill and overlooked the bay. The owner of the house was military and stationed in another country for much of the short time that I lived there. I worked full-time and went to school full-time, so Monday through Friday, I was out of the house by 6.30 a.m. and did not return until about 9 in the evening. My schedule was routine, which I now realize made it easy for me to be followed. About three months into living there, I decided to make use of my open backyard and the breathtaking view of the bay and invited a few of my friends from work over to grill and drink wine. I should mention that this was my first time utilizing the backyard. My bedroom on the second floor had the same view and I never really had a reason to go into the backyard as I was hardly ever home. One of my friends quickly spotted a ladder that had been perched on top of a storage shed. My first thought was strange, but as we looked on at the ill-placed ladder which stopped shortly beneath my bedroom window, it quickly dawned on us all that there was no other reasonable explanation for that ladder to be perched there unless someone was trying to access my window. Or look into it. Way to make a barbecue super awkward, right? My friends were instantly concerned knowing I was essentially alone and basically left the house and returned home when it was dark. I should also mention that I didn't have a car on the island, so I was walking 10 minutes to or from the bus stop. I assured my friends that there had to be some reasonable explanation and immediately emailed the owner of the house to ask if he had known about the ladder or knew why it would have been left there. Uh, I know why. Clarissa explains it all. Oh, yes. Sammy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just saying. Reenactment. No, I'm just kidding. The next morning, I awoke to his very concerned response. The ladder was not there before he had left, and there was no reason for it to have been placed in that particular position. Here's the thing. Because the townhome was elevated on a hill, we had no neighbors directly behind us. 
I always had the blinds open. Always. Like, slept with them open. Walked around in my underwear with the blinds open. Always. Also, there was nothing like a good tropical breeze coming through the window. Well, that changed instantly. I made sure the window was locked and those blinds were all the way down. As I think back, at this point, I wasn't terrified. It was unsettling, yes, but for some reason, I remember carrying on with my life like closed blinds was the answer to everything. Maybe I was convinced that it was just a strange coincidence. I mean, what kind of weirdo goes through links of perching a ladder to look inside of a woman's bedroom? Oh, to be young and blissfully ignorant. Only a few days had gone by when I was walking home from the bus stop. It was shortly after 9 p.m., and the main street I walked up was relatively quiet. Very few cars usually passed me, and I often walked in the street. But I would hop back on the sidewalk if I saw headlights or a car. Now, this hill was steep, and I needed all the motivation I could get climbing this hill with textbooks at the end of the day. So usually I had in headphones and was rocking out to something upbeat. I know, I know, I was being very unwise. I only had a few minutes left on my walk when I realized there was a vehicle behind me. It was a smaller looking pickup with its headlights off and was moving very slowly about 20 feet behind me. I quickly moved to the sidewalk thinking it was just going slow to be cautious of me. Keep in mind, island life is different than other places and locals are generally friendly. As for the headlights, sometimes people forget to turn them on. When the pickup truck didn't pick up speed and pass me within a few moments, I looked back noticing it still kept the crawl pace behind me. A sudden chill ran up my spine, and something inside me told me to get myself home very quickly. I doubled my pace, all the while the truck stayed a steady distance behind me. Just as I was about to turn onto the side street where the row of homes I lived in were, the truck lights turned on and the engine revved. I ran to a neighbor's house and knocked on the door frantically as the truck sped up and stopped right outside the neighbor's house. When the door opened, the truck sped off, tires screeching and all. My neighbors, while warm and friendly, seemed to think I was being a bit paranoid, but still allowed me to wait in their home for a while and eventually walked with me a few doors down to make sure I got into my house safely. A couple of nights later, while I was up doing homework, there was an amazing lightning storm that happened outside and I took a break to go and stand in the front to watch it. I feel like I should explain that I'm originally from Southern California and growing up, I never saw anything like this. I watched in awe as lightning bolts appeared all over the night sky until something caught my eye. There was a pickup truck parked in one of the spaces almost directly in front of the home and I could make out an eyeline of a person in a red-orange glow of a cigarette. It only took a second to realize this was the same pickup from the other night. Headlights came on and I rushed inside and shut my door and called the police. Of course, the truck was long gone when the police arrived, and after I explained everything to them, they told me there was nothing they could do. Like my neighbors, I suspected they thought I was being paranoid. The officers assured me it was a safe neighborhood, and I had little to worry about. All was quiet for a couple of weeks until I woke up to pounding from outside my bedroom window and a male voice screaming, I can't see you, but I know you're in there. I always know where you are. I called the police again. Still, nothing they could do. I didn't have a description of the man, nor did I take down his license plate number when I had seen the truck. To say I was terrified is an understatement. 
Days went by without sleep, and I jumped at literally everything. I was afraid to step outside, but with finals approaching, I had to go to school, and I had to work to afford school. So somehow, I overcame the fear and did what I needed to do. To many of the people around me who had no idea what was going on, I probably seemed like a madwoman or someone with a drug problem. Given that my neighbors and the police thought I was overreacting, only the friends that were over at my house and the homeowner knew what was going on. Maybe a week later, my friend drove me home from school and discovered my front door wide open. I only recall sitting in the passenger seat crying. We didn't bother to call the police. Instead, my friend went in with me to pack a few necessities. What we found on my bed makes me ill. There was a single flower in the center of the bed and the soil had been scattered slash rubbed into the blanket. I never slept another night in that beautiful home with the perfect view. The owner of the house understandably let me break my lease early and I crashed with friends until I found another place to stay. I'll end with this. Months later at work, our receptionist announced at a team meeting that she had to call security on a strange man that drove the same color pickup truck and often got out of the truck to peer in the front door. I had to let my managers know about my situation and the receptionist was able to give the police a description of the man. If anything, let this be a message to everyone to always be aware of your surroundings. I had been in that house only four months and yet it took only that amount of time for someone to get that close without me knowing. This person probably drove past me in that street many times. If he knew where I worked, he probably knew where I went to school and where I waited for the bus. But worst of all is knowing he watched me while being a few feet away from me when I slept. Thanks in advance for sharing. Stay wonderful and keep an eye out for misplaced ladders. Desiree. Wow. Holy shit. That's terrifying. Aside from you getting stalked, the part that makes me so angry is the fact that you had to say, you didn't have to, you felt like you had to say that, you know, I know, I know, I know, because you were walking with your fucking headphones in. Yep, yep, yep. That makes me so angry, not at you, at the world. Yeah. That women, and and men for that matter, can't. Just fucking walk home from school or work or whatever because if they have their headphones in, they can't hear somebody that's going to fucking attack them. That's such fucking bullshit. Yeah. It makes me so mad. I shared a poem in the Facebook group. I shared it from TikTok, and it was a girl saying, like, I didn't grow up learning that I had to be scared of you, but after a while, like, it became obvious and... Basically, like, not all men are like this, but it's enough that it's dangerous and, like, I shouldn't have to walk with my keys in my hands. I shouldn't have to be fully aware of where I am, you know, like, all the Mm -hmm. time, just like what you're saying. Like, can't have both headphones in because you don't know what's going to happen, whatever, whatever, whatever. But one thing that she said, I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even think about that, was we shouldn't have to give fake numbers instead of saying no. And I was like, you know what? I always thought of it just being kind of, not a bitchy thing, but like, just of a like, eh, I don't want to talk to him. Yeah. Like, whatever. But like, no. It really could be that you don't know what they're going to say or do when you say no. Yeah. And that goes for men, too. It's not just Oh, for sure. It was just a woman who was saying it. absolutely. God, I cannot, like, that 
invasion of privacy is a level of fear like no other. Yes. Well, I always say that the strangers gets me every time. And every time I close the curtains at my parents' house, that's what I would see. Or black-eyed kids, like, in my thing. Mm -hmm. It still terrifies me to think about someone being out there. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to you. And, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I would be so paranoid. So, oh. And to have them fucking come into your house. Not just stalk you from outside, have the ladder up, all the things. No, they fucking came in the house. And ruin your comforter. All right. Hey, creepy gals. I'm a new listener, and I feel like I've found my podcast soulmates. I haven't stopped listening to you guys since I discovered you and have since dumped all my other podcasts for the time being because I enjoy y'all so much. So the story I'm about to tell you is a doozy. But listening to your podcast made me realize I'm not the only one who goes through things like this. This story involves death, Satanism, broken bones, and so much more. Feel free to edit out any details you feel like aren't necessary because I'm known to babble on and on. Oh, and I am horrible at grammar, so I am so sorry in advance. Let's start with me. I'm an extreme empath, and it's sometimes life-ruining. I'm very sensitive to everything. I've also been told throughout my life by multiple psychic women that I'm a healer and have the sign of a healer on my hand. Fast forward to my grandpa dying and me finding out his great-great-grandma was the tribe healer and healed children from polio. This is what led me to my career as a massage therapist. Just wanted to give a little background that I'm sensitive to a few different psychic abilities. So we will start at the beginning. I had met this guy while I was in my senior year of high school. Prior to that, I had had the same boyfriend since sophomore year, and he was kind of a bum at the time. I had to pay for all the dates, and we really didn't do anything, just boring high school shit. This new guy I met was already out of high school, had a car, a job, and his own spot. I had gone on a few dates with him and wasn't really feeling it, but my mom encouraged me to date a guy who had a little something for himself. So we went on another date and I suddenly fell in love. Fast. I was staying with him at his apartment every night, getting taken out on dates for the first time in my life. It was great. Suddenly, just realized I never gave this guy a name, so let's call him P.O.S. for piece of shit. Suddenly, P.O.S. lost his job. Someone was stealing and since he was the last one they hired, they decided he was the first one fired. Eventually, he lost his apartment, but we moved into something cheaper. Keep in mind, I'm still in high school and missing pretty much every other day at this point. Okay, so we were at the new apartment, and it's not really that great. It's pretty trashy, to be honest with you. While we were moving stuff in, an old woman from the top floor comes down and tells us, don't pay attention to the newspaper. They change all the names and dates. Uh, okay, creepy lady. We mind our business and continue moving stuff in. We're settled in and living it up, drinking, smoking, parties all the time. While we're throwing one of our parties, P.O.S. starts to tell stories of how his father was a Satanist and all the weird things him and his brother experienced as kids. They both had almost been killed by their father when they were infants. Their mother had tried to get a restraining order against the father and he showed up at their house in the middle of the night and had doused the entire place with gasoline. 
woke her up with a lighter in his hand and told her that if she didn't talk to him, he was going to kill everyone in the house, including himself. This story was told to me over 10 years ago, so I can't quite remember how his father landed in jail. But when I was dating him, his dad was in jail at the time, and he had been estranged from him for years. Okay, so this is when things start to get spooky for me. I had started waking up every morning with a really sore bruise on the middle of my forehead and no real explanation. Our bed was against a brick wall, so I assumed maybe I had knocked my face in my sleep, but it kept getting more and more sore. One night, I had woken up in a trance. I felt like I was drugged and in between sleep and being awake. I felt a force grab me by my hair and I began to struggle as it forced my head to slam into the brick wall. I stopped sleeping in the bedroom after that. Then one night while we're playing video games, we hear a loud bang at the front door, like someone ramming into it. Turns out, someone was. It's a creepy lady from upstairs trying to ram herself into our apartment. What? POS got a knife and threatened her. She slammed herself into the front door a few more times and took off back upstairs. We didn't call the cops because we were underage, had drugs at the apartment, alcohol, you know. The next day, we walk upstairs toward her apartment, and she has newspaper clippings and crosses taped all over her front door. One of the neighbors comes out and tells us that she's schizophrenic and nobody takes care of her. This really isn't the main focus of the story. It's just creepy as fuck. Fast forward to POS losing the apartment we were living in because he didn't have a job. I moved back in with my mom, and he ended up sleeping in my car every night and sneaking into my house once my parents were asleep. Eventually, my mom's belongings and money started to disappear, as well as my neighbor's credit card. It turned out to be POS, and I begged my neighbor and my mom to not press charges and not to call the police. Remember earlier when I said he got fired from his job? Question mark? I later found out everything in his apartment was stolen from his job. Mm-hmm. This isn't necessarily important to the paranormal aspects of this story as much as to show you his character. We went out to stay at his aunt's a lot who lived in bumfuck Kentucky with no neighbors around whatsoever. She smoked hella weed and so did we. She'd always smoke us out and feed us real good. We loved her and I still love and respect her to this day. One night we had gone out there with a mutual friend of ours and on the drive home, I was driving and POS was in the passenger seat. The friend was in the back. We were all singing to Tupac when we took a sharp turn and we all stopped talking. We saw a small creature, about the size of Dobby from Harry Potter, feasting on a smaller critter. It was hunched over and its eyes closed while the small critter hung in its mouth. I screamed, nobody say anything until we were back on the main road because I was about to flip the fuck out. Once we were all back on the main road, we mutually all agreed that it was either a demon or an alien. We had never seen anything like it. A different night with the same friend, P.O.S. and I were babysitting his little brother and sister. Their house was known to have a spirit of a little boy in it. P.O.S.'s stepdad didn't believe in anything paranormal or spiritual, but he had admitted to me that he had seen the little boy in the house before. We're all sitting around having a good time when the TV shuts off by itself. Weird, we thought, so we turned it back on. We continue conversation when the TV shuts off again. 
In the kitchen, we see the top of a little boy's head run through it down the hall, and then we hear a loud growl from the TV. We booked it outside. It took us about five minutes to calm down before we realized that we had left the kids inside. Oops. (laughs) There's also a story of how his mother took us out of town to all go camping together, when really she just took us to a trashy motel and used us as an excuse to hook up with some guy she met online. Well, put two teenagers in a motel room for a weekend, and guess what? I ended up pregnant. I lost a baby that I had with POS, and a few months later, he broke my nose while I was driving, and I left him. The year after I left him, my family experienced eight deaths suddenly. Since being with him, my family and friends have all gone through awful sicknesses and deaths. Cancer, babies dying, just strings of bad luck. I often think that he has cursed me. People really think I'm crazy and a bit narcissistic for thinking this way, but I just can't help it. I'm into magic and have looked into cleansing myself from curses, how to get rid of one, and nothing seems to work. I know life sometimes just shits on people, but to me, it feels like death is always over my shoulder, taunting me and telling me it's going to take everyone I love and care about and let me suffer by keeping me alive to witness it all. I take medicine for my paranoia of it all now. There's not a day that goes by that I don't cry thinking of someone I love dying and losing the will to live because I don't want to have to see the people I love hurt and pass on one day. I got a little off topic there at the end. I'm sorry. But since POS has been out of my life, I have never had experiences like those again. I do believe that him being in my life has cursed me in a way, and I don't think anyone can convince me otherwise. After researching and hearing other stories, I now know what kind of darkness POS was and had within him. After our breakup, he dealt with meth and a heroin addiction, got a 17-year-old pregnant while he's almost or already is 30. Not much of a better person at all. Writing this to you guys has been so fucking therapeutic. Holy shit. Sorry I rambled on and on. I love you guys so much. Creep it real and don't get scared. Chelsea. Chelsea, whoa, that is some heavy shit. I'm so glad that you were able to get out of that situation. I'm so sorry that you had to go through so much after it. What if it was an El Chupacabre that y'all saw feasting on the critter? All right. Hey, ladies, I come from a small town in Louisiana, and I feel like I've had a ghost that has been following me since birth. You'll have to excuse my improper grammar The Louisiana education systems are ranked as the worst in the country. I wish I was kidding. Hey, we're coming right up the rear with you on Mississippi. It all started growing up in my mom's house. Then, when I moved into my first apartment, the activity continued. I just recently moved into a new home with my boyfriend, and you guessed it, my ghost has followed me. I have a million stories, but I'm just going to start from the beginning. Picture it. I'm six years old, and my three-year-old brother is staring out the window with tears streaming down his face. The house across the street has a single streetlight at the beginning of a very long, dark driveway. Every night for about a year, every night like clockwork, my brother would sit in the living room window sobbing about how the man standing in the driveway across the street was staring at him. None of us ever saw this man, but it was an every-night occurrence. 
Through the years, my mom and I have seen shadow children out of the corners of our eyes, had something touch us, or even have the feeling of someone sitting on the bed and seeing a dent where they would be sitting. And each time, there would be no one there. When I was about 13, I shared a room with my three-year-old sister. Yes, I know, three years old every time. I came into our bedroom and she was sobbing, just as my brother had years before. She was facing the wall with her back to the closet. I asked her why she was upset, and she turned to me and said, That lady yelled at me to be quiet, and pointed towards the closet. I asked her what lady she was talking about, and at that very moment, the closet door falls off the hinges onto the floor. I am now 20 and have many more stories, but since this is a novel, I'll leave you hanging for now. Thank you for all the amazing things you do and giving me a sense of friendship while binging your endless giggles and not at all cheesy jokes. With love, Haley. I need all those stories. Right? Yes. And I wonder why at the age of three for both your siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk about a cliffhanger. Uh, I wonder if they've been seeing them the whole time and it's like they're just able to communicate it now mm-hmm. and, or process it now. Yeah. Oh. Golly, that's so scary. It's scary for both things. Like, you can't see what they're seeing, but then it's scary for them to see something that y'all can't see. Exactly. Good morning, ladies. My name is Tanya, and I love your podcast. I found your podcast by chance on Spotify while looking for a new show to binge on my long drive to and from work. I'm from Michigan and drive a little over an hour to work. I'm a paramedic in Flint, Michigan, which is rated second in the U.S. as most dangerous cities for violence, and my family thinks I'm crazy for working over there. A little more backstory about me. I'm an intuitive empath. I'm still very new to this and learning about it. I've been having experiences for many, many years. These are my most memorable, and I apologize beforehand if this is a long email. I've been listening to past shows. I just listened to the Sinister Sightings 59 this morning on the way to work. The email from the gal that lost her brother in drowning and wanting to see signs from him made me very teary. I have lost both of my parents, my stepdad in 2006 and my mom in 2013. I know that both of them come to me and leave me signs all the time. My husband never had the chance to meet my parents, but I'm always talking about them, and we have a picture of them. But they leave us pennies in the craziest places that you wouldn't expect, so I completely understand. When my mom passed away, I took it very hard. I felt like I had lost a part of my heart. It's been seven years, and I still struggle with Mother's Day, so I understand that too. About three weeks after she had passed, I picked up a shift at the fire department that I was working part-time at. I will have to email back with the stories that I have about there. I was alone in the bunk room that had three other beds in it. My alarm was set to go off at 0400 because I had to be back at my full-time job at 0700. My alarm had went off. I hit snooze and rolled back over. I dozed off. I was in that state where you are awake and asleep. I felt someone sit behind me, brush my hair out of my eyes, and kiss my cheek and then was gone. I sat up crying because I knew it was my mom. My stepdad did the same thing when he passed away. I felt him sit at the end of my bed and he had on a red flannel shirt that I always stole as a teenager and still have it stored away. He told me that he loved me and was proud of me and then was gone. 
To this day, I still smell his cologne, which was Old Spice and cigarette smoke. And I will smell my mom's perfume. I know that my mom is always with me. I had Love You Bunches, comma, Mom, tattooed on my left wrist, and I have her thumbprint on a charm. I wear it on a necklace with a St. Michael medal and my mother's charm with my kids on it. I never take it off. She goes everywhere I go. One of my first experiences was in my early 20s. I was an EMT at the time and working for a small ambulance company. We had a house as a base in Lansing. I always felt uneasy there. I only went in the basement once, and it terrified me. There was graffiti all over the walls, an old oil tank from the old oil furnace, and it was dark. I refused to go back down there after that one time down there. One night, I decided to sleep on the couch because it was hot in the house. I had left the TV on for background noise and some light if I had to get up. The movie Seven was playing when I fell asleep. The couch was set so that it separated the living room from the bedroom and bathroom that was behind it and kind of made a hallway to the front door. I had decided to sleep on this couch. I was startled awake by something. I could hear footsteps behind the couch. And for a hot minute, I thought it was my partner. I looked around and didn't see anything, so I brushed it off. A short time later, I was awoken again by someone or something behind the couch. I heard a young child crying and asking where their mommy was. I was petrified and frozen in my place. I couldn't move. I did the only thing I could and I hid under the sheet that I was covered with. You know the concept. It can't see me if I'm under my protective blanket. I laid there shaking. I stayed awake until we had to leave for shift change. Asked my partner when we left if she heard anything odd and she said no, so I left it alone. I told her years later when we worked at another company together what had happened. My second experience at this company happened while I was pregnant with twins. I was taken off the road and placed in dispatch. I was working a night shift and a good friend of mine had told me that the base was haunted. I kind of laughed it off but believed him. I was alone in the building and it was dark out. I don't remember what time. So I had all the lights turned off in the building except for the lamp above the dispatch desk and the TV. To enter the building, there was a heavy metal door at the bottom of the stairs. And the hallway into the building was like a Z. When you come to the stairs, there's another door. Then a few more paces after that door is the office for management. A 90 degree turn to the left is a long hallway with another 90 degree turn to the right. At that hall, there's another room that was a living room, a bathroom, the dispatch room at the end of the hall, and the kitchen. In the middle of the long hall was the bedroom. I was just hanging out listening for radio traffic from my cruise and watching TV. I heard the metal door at the bottom of the stairs open and close. Then I heard footsteps on the stairs. I heard the inside door open and close. Then I heard jingling of keys at the office door. I figured it was my boss and that he had just forgot something or was going to catch up on paperwork. So I hollered out at him, hey, Kevin, no response. I hoisted my pregnant butt up and down the hall to see who was there. There was absolutely no one there. I ran as fast as my pregnant body could take me down the hall, turning on the light as I went in every single room. I called my good friend and told him what had happened, and he just laughed at me and said that I had met the ghost, and we laughed about it together. Thank you for such a funny and great podcast. 
Can't wait to get caught up on the older episodes. And again, I apologize for this being so long. I will have to email back with more of my experiences. Stay spooky. Tanya Thompson. Why are y'all all so good at leaving us hanging and being like, we're going to write more emails? Right? Well, I want them now. I like instant gratification. Also, thank you for the work that you do. Paramedics. I know. It's hard work. You know what I've always wondered? Do people, like, okay, I know that there's this whole show about, like, paranormal survivors, but it's, like, first responders. So that's absolutely fascinating to me. I love those stories. But also, I want stories from, like, security guards at hospitals or nursing homes or wherever that they're, like, monitoring the cameras Mm. and, like, shit they see. Yeah. Conceptually, first responders are the ones that are there potentially when they're crossing over or whatever you believe, you know? Hi, Donna and Carrie. I like your show a lot, especially the paranormal stories, because the true crime stories can get too scary for me. Sorry, Carrie. To make it up to you, here's my crime-adjacent tell. In college, my best friends Calvin, Katie, and I decided to go for a nighttime drive because what else are you going to do in middle-of-nowhere Iowa? We were singing at the top of our lungs to Red Hot Chili Peppers or something like that and driving down a dark residential road with no one else in sight when we heard a motorcycle rev its engine. The motorcycle in question passed us going probably 100 miles an hour. It was impossible not to note his speed. I think I actually said something like, geez Louise, he's going to get into an accident going that fast. Just then, crash. The motorcycle hit a mailbox, and it went shooting into the treetops, sparks flying, flipping over and over before landing on some poor fool's lawn. Have you ever had to call 911? Have you ever had to go over to a stranger not knowing if they're going to be a bloody mess? Boy, it is not a fun time. Luckily for everyone, the guy seemed pretty okay considering. Not bruises or bleeding from what we could see. It was pretty dark, but not even that late. Maybe 8 p.m.-ish? He asked us not to call the cops, which led us to believe he was probably intoxicated. We called 911 anyways, because what if he had internal bleeding? The cops came, took our statement, and he was taken away in an ambulance. A week later, there was a knock at my front door. It was a cop. He told me that the motorcycle man had had internal bleeding, and if we hadn't encouraged medical attention, he might have died. The cop also asked me if I would testify at a trial. Apparently, the guy refused to take a breathalyzer that night, and they were taking him to court or something. Again, true crime is not my forte, so I don't really know how this stuff works. The cop assured me that I wouldn't have to speak or do anything. I might not even get called in. I told them that Calvin would probably want to do it more. In truth, I was scared and shy. When the trial date came, Calvin called me immediately after. He told me that not only did he get called in, he had to take the stand. When the motorcycle man's attorney cross-questioned Calvin, the first question he asked was, Did you perhaps see a squirrel on that fateful eve? Calvin was like, I don't recall. The attorney continued, Do you perhaps think that a squirrel could have run in the path of the motorcycle gentleman causing him to swerve into the mailbox? Calvin was like, it's possible. And then it was all, no further questions. The motorcycle man got off with an honest-to-God squirrel defense, and hopefully he was okay and stayed safe. 
I have hella paranormal stories too, but I will save them for another time. Thank you for the lovely podcast and for reading my story, Chloe. And it was called, We Had to Go to Court Because of a Squirrel. Oh my gosh. I knew you'd love that because you love fucking squirrels. I do. Squirrels and llamas and raccoons are her fucking jam. They really are. They really are. And they're all fluffy. Fluffy tail, fluffy body, fluffy... Personalities. Mm-hmm. Everything. I always am like, yeah, I would testify. But then the cross-examining is where I would be like, uh, uh, uh. Like, you don't want to give them that out. But you also have to be truthful. And I don't know. It's just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to play chess. I don't know how to call bluffs. I don't know any of that. Which is why you hire an attorney. <laughs> exactly. And they prep you. I mean, I don't want to get called either. And that is a the biggest fear of mine being in the medical field is getting called. I don't fucking know. But it is scary. Also, can you imagine me on the stand? They're going to be like, can you just answer the question? Uh, no. And that's why I'm telling you this whole fucking story about my childhood. Because I got to tell you why I'm going to answer the question just like this. Now, I've lost my place and I got to start over. So, August 8th, 1985. It was in the morning. <laughs> I actually don't know when I was born. Okay. All right. This one's called Earliest Paranormal Experience. Hey, ladies, I want to start out by saying I'm fairly new to the podcast, but I am so in love. It has everything I love, ghost, crime, and hilarious shit. At times, I don't even feel like I'm listening to a podcast, more like just hanging out with my friends and talking about scary stuff. You both are the best. Anywho, my name is Kyla, and for most of my life, I have known myself to be someone who was aware of the paranormal or as sensitive as most people seem to call it. How about everything I've read has been like an uh, intuitive empath, a sensitive, like, oh my god. It started at a young age, unfortunately. Like, I was not really trying to be scared as a small child. So I'm going to tell you one of my earliest memories of something paranormal that I actually didn't realize was a paranormal experience until early adulthood. But are you ready for this, though? This story has to do with a particular being that tends to freak people out. So for the sake of not upsetting anyone, I will use his name once and then the initial R for the rest of the story. This is the story of me meeting Robert the Doll when I was just five or six years old. As a lot of people may know, he was housed at a museum in Key West, Florida for a while. When I was about five or six, my family... Mother and older brother moved to Key West to be closer to my aunt, uncle, and cousin. While living there, my brother, cousin, and I would go to this after-school program at the local YMCA, and we would frequently go on little field trips. Well, one day we ended up going to the museum where R was at. Obviously, being five or six, I hadn't really known anything about the paranormal yet, and definitely knew nothing about R and his story. I don't remember much about the field trip or what the tour guide told us about R or anything. I'm almost 25 now, so it's been a long time. But what I can distinctly remember is that at first glance, he made me uncomfortable, but not scared. And with that, I had this overwhelming feeling that I needed to respect him. Looking back now, realizing that I'm sensitive to such things, I think it may have been possible that R knew that and decided to communicate with me in a subtle way. So, to the best of my ability, I did respect him for the short time I was there, but one of the younger boys in my group didn't have the same feeling that I did. 
I remember looking at R, and this boy said something really rude about him along the lines of him looking stupid and not being scary. Right as he said this, I shot a look in the boy's direction and told him that he shouldn't have said that about him. As I looked back at R, the expression on his face was different. He looked angry, and his head was turned in the boy's direction. My heart instantly sank because I knew that the boy being disrespectful to R was such a bad idea. After that, I remember our group moving on and I was toward the back of the group, so I said goodbye to R in my head because for some reason, I just knew that he would hear it and I left the area. As far as I know, nothing happened to the boy, but honestly, I would have no idea of even knowing. So dude, wherever you are, if nothing happened to you for being disrespectful to R, then you are one of the lucky ones. To continue my story, after this experience happened, over the years, I kind of forgot about it. I knew that this had happened, but I forgot who it was with, so it never really seemed like a big deal to me. But then in 2016, Zach Bagans released the Deadly Possessions episode that had R in it, and I was so drawn to that particular part of the episode because he seemed so familiar with me. Being someone who had been obsessed with paranormal stuff, I had heard about R many times but never saw a picture or even connected the dots. Then it all hit me. This was the doll that I met in my childhood that really gave me my first paranormal experience. I did some more research after seeing the episode and it just confirmed that it was in fact R and that it was him that I saw at the museum when I was a child. It was so bizarre to me, but almost cool. Like, I'm not sure many people will have a story like mine with such a famous being. It was actually your episode about him that made me remember and gave me the inspiration to tell my story. Thank you for reading my story and sorry if it was so long. I love you both and thank you for your podcast. I'll write in soon about my experiences about the haunted hotel I worked in for four years. XOXO Kyla Rose. Holy shit, Kyla R. R. Oh my gosh. That's fucking crazy. Okay. Who takes like an innocent child to see fucking Robert the doll? Well, they weren't there to see him. They just stumbled upon his cursedness. Yes, because he's in, like, a historic kind of thing. Mm-mm, they need some signage. <laughs> they do have it now. No, I know. I'm just kidding. But you get the point. And thank you so much, Kyla. And please send in about your haunted hotel. We need all of your stories. And as we always say, none of y'all's stories are too long. Seriously. Absolutely. Hey, ladies, I love your podcast. I discovered it at the beginning of quarantine here in Ontario, Canada, and I've spent two months binge listening to you. I love how funny and interesting you guys are. You are getting me through this crazy time, and I'm so grateful. Okay, so this is my story. It takes place in Ontario, Canada. My parents bought a house back in 2005. It's a bungalow built for displaced people coming over from Europe after World War II. The whole neighborhood was built to accommodate these families, so the houses go back to the early 1500s. The gentleman who we bought the home from was a sweet older man of Jewish descent. I know this because neighbors told us. He died in a retirement home and was predeceased by his wife. He didn't allow his children to sell the empty home until he had passed, so it stood empty. When we bought the bungalow, it had been like a time capsule. The main floor had orange shag rug. It was completely 70s decor. The basement had an in-law suite that was straight out of the 1950s, including retro appliances. 
One room in the basement had an old couch with movie theater tickets from 1973 in the cushions. My parents renovated everything. The vibe of the house upstairs is fine, but there's something that makes you feel uncomfortable in the basement. My mother refuses to this day to do laundry at night because she hates the feeling of being down there after dark. Many things have happened to me, but especially once I was pregnant and had my baby. One, my parents and I had bedrooms upstairs. My brother had the basement bedroom that was separate from the in-law suite. He was in high school at the time. I was in my last semester of college and pregnant. My parents worked far from home and weren't expected back until evening. I was home alone. It was noon. I had my daytime TV on and ate my snacks. I heard the back door slam open. It was a heavy door. Then heavy footsteps going up the landing to the main level where I was. I waited to see someone come in as it's a small house. Nothing. Then the footsteps, like a man in heavy boots, go all the way down the steps to the basement. I figured, oh, it must be my brother. He's home for lunch or skipping class. I expect him to come upstairs and say hello and grab some lunch, but he doesn't. After a while, I decide it's been too long and he should probably get back to school. So my pregnant self walks down the stairwell, but when I get to the basement, it's dark. His room is empty. I race back upstairs terrified. The back door is locked, but I never heard him leave or the door open. I asked my brother when he comes home at 3 why he came home at noon, but he says he stayed at school in the computer lab working on school projects. He's a big nerd. I believe him. He seems genuine, but I'm nervous. Who had been there with me? Another time I moved into the in-law suite, I was further along in my pregnancy and my cousin was visiting and she stayed with me in the mother-in-law suite in the basement. She got the living room, I got the bedroom. My room was very minimal, just a big bed, one night stand with a lamp. At night, I went to bed. I put down my book next to my glass of water and my lamp on the nightstand. The second my head hit the pillow, I hear the sound of my book falling on the hard floor, then my lamp and water glass. I scream and sit up in bed in the dark. Then I feel the foot of my bed indent and the pressure of someone sitting next to me. My cousin opens the door to my room, asking what happened. She turns on the light and I explain, but she tells me nothing's on the floor. She's right. My lamp, my book, and my water glass are right here where I left them. The third event that happened to me was again in the basement. I was washing baby bottles and my son was sleeping in my bedroom. My parents and my cousin were at a work Christmas party. The kitchen of the in-law suite had an open window into the basement looking at the stairs and the hallway. I hear heavy footsteps and a dark shadow person walks right by the window. It had long hair but completely black with no features. I go into mama bear mode and run into the hallway toward where it's walking to. The hallway is empty and the loud footsteps stop. Weirdly enough, I'm a big scaredy cat, but I had no fear of it, just amazement. Many people who would visit me would say they liked the house, but that the basement has a heaviness and spooky energy. My parents have renovated the basement. After we had a flood, it has modern upgrades and looks gorgeous. They wanted to rent the basement out for income as my mom is now retired. It's been a year and anytime they have someone lined up to live there, it falls through on the side of the prospective tenants. Well, because if they did a tour, they fucking know what's up with it, huh? <laughs> like I always say, basements, not good. Laundry and demons, and mm-hmm. neither one are good. I think mm-hmm. that's what you said. Mm-hmm. Damn, you actually remembered something? Mm-hmm. It was clever. 
uh, mark this down, everybody. She said, I was clever. I said, that was clever. Fuck. <laughs> Never mind. She's actually listening to me. I thought she just would agree with me. Mm-hmm. All right. Last one. I just started listening to you ladies, and I just want to say I love you guys. I'm very interested in the paranormal, but always find myself questioning things I've personally experienced. I wouldn't call myself a skeptic, but I'm always looking for an explanation. Who are you, me? (laughs) With that being said, this experience that I had is something I can't explain. Also have to mention that my husband is really a non-believer, but he was with me and saw and heard the same thing I did, and to this day cannot explain it or come up with an excuse to what we saw. My story. At the time, we lived in a pretty old part of town that was notorious for having a lot of drug activity. The only reason I mention this is because I've heard a lot of stories from previous drug addicts that have talked about their experiences with evil entities haunting them while they struggled getting through their addiction. So, there was a pretty big field, at least 30 acres of field with the river running through it in this neighborhood. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, grew up in this neighborhood and loved walking through this field at night to clear his mind. So he thought it would be fun to show me this quote-unquote relaxing walk at 3 a.m. Why I thought this was a good idea is beyond me, but I agreed and off we went. As we were walking one of the trails, we were admiring the stars and pretty beautiful surroundings when we began to hear what sounded like a horse trotting, but with that, we also heard what sounded like a really large man breathing loudly, kind of panting as if he was the one running. We began looking around to find whatever it was we could hear, and there, about 20 yards in front of us, was what I can only explain as some kind of animal. The back end of a horse, maybe, but the top part is something we cannot explain. All we know is that we saw red eyes. We can't explain what we saw on the top half. It's the strangest thing because we both know what we saw, but we can't find the words to describe it. Anyways, it ran past us. We paused, looked at each other, questioned if the other had saw it, and then decided we would walk up there to see what it was or where it went. When we got to where it ran to, there was a freaking tall-ass brick wall and a small body of water, like a tiny pond, nowhere for this damn quote-unquote horse to go. I know it sounds crazy, and most people would say we just saw a horse, but we both know that was no damn horse. Something was running in that field that night with a purpose or a place to be. My theory is that since there was so much drug activity in the area, maybe this thing was on its way to torment the next victim? Scary as hell. Anyway, I hope you enjoy my story, and next time I write in, it'll be a more lighthearted experience I had with my best friend who passed away and then came back to visit. Creep it real. Dang, these stories were so freaking good. Yes, perfect for the last week of October. Halloween! (laughs) Thank y'all so much for sharing your stories with us. Keep sending them in aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.